0: I am Danika and I am Myra and this is the Black Women Healing Podcast. A space to discuss mental wellness, a space to dive into soul care and vulnerability. Here,
1: we will support you on your journey as you focus on your healing
0: while also giving you the work along the way.
1: Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast y'all it's official we are an amazon affiliate and it's only right because our let's heal book is offered on amazon if you haven't already checked it out go ahead and click the link in our description and check it out help us support you while we support us while we all support each other if you know what i'm saying all right y'all check it out hey everybody welcome to another episode of black women healing podcast and i'm super super excited about today's episode Uh, We have a very special guest and as usual I'll start with introductions a little later but we like to start with a random discussion, random topic. So let me think of something really quick, something really random. Um, (laughs) When it comes to the holidays, right, and um, seasonal depression, seasonal depression and just let me just say the holidays I won't even use season depression. when it comes to the holidays do you think that it impacts your moods in general just with I guess like the pagan holiday or just the seasons let me say that sorry my topic's all over the place that's okay I'm going to say the seasons I'm going to utilize that so when it comes to the seasons do you think that seasons impact your mood
0: I think seasons and time like I don't know Um, cause I wanted us to discuss that too. So I'm happy that you brought it up, but I've been thinking about the time change. The time is supposed to be changed on November 7th, but yeah, I think it does impact your mood, especially like when you kind of adjust to being in the sun so much and the benefits of the sun. And for those folks who love the sun so much when it's getting dark earlier, it kind of feels like, what am I supposed to do? So I definitely feel for those people. And then for some people, they feel good again because now like they like that type of weather. So yeah, definitely. I know for me personally, when it rains, I feel sad. Like I don't enjoy rain. A lot of people enjoy it and it's just not for me. Like I feel like the world's ending. So I don't know. Yeah, what about you?
1: I agree. I think more so the time, especially like living in you know Southern California where the seasons are not as happening as much but the time really, it messes with me. Like the fact that it's about to start getting dark. And what's also interesting, I think that over like on the West Coast, it tends to get darker quicker, even in like the daylight saving time. Mm-hmm. So like when I went back to Kentucky, it didn't get dark till like nine versus here, even with it being, you know, longer days, it still gets darker quicker. So yeah, it just makes you be like, I'm done with the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Shirley? I my your name, right?
2: Yes. So it's, it's Cher and Lisa. Cher. together. So oh, yeah. Lisa.
1: Okay, perfect. What about you, Sher-Lisa?
2: Um, Yes, you both are spot on. Seasonal depression is very real, I think, around the time that not only seasons, but holidays are a big thing. And so at this point, we're all going back into another set of holidays underneath the pandemic which is already in itself, something that people are not looking forward to on top of the temperatures changing and the sunlight being kind of limited as well as rain. And so all of those things do play a part in it. Uh, but I think the one thing too, is that around this time frame is really hard for a lot of people because of holiday interpretation and not being able to get to people the way that you might want to, or having to now choose. Maybe people have not had a chance to even think about choosing for a while. Uh, of like should I do Thanksgiving or Christmas and that hasn't probably been on the palette for a lot of individuals as of the last two years and so I know that's another thing that a lot of people are now into a uh, position of that has created depression and even anxiety I think seasonal anxiety is something that people probably should add to the DSM but that's a whole other thing has not even been thought about but uh, they hopefully on the radar will create Mm -hmm. that too something I am seeing too yeah
1: Absolutely. Okay, well, I think that was a great little random discussion. Um, But going ahead and starting to introduce you. Um, So Dr. Charlisa Jackson has a PhD in health education and promotion from Walden University, a Master of Public Health degree from Kaplan University, and both her Master's of Arts in Counseling and Guidance, and her Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. She is a licensed therapist specializing in sexual health health education, esteem and relationships, which also the acronym of her solo private practice, S-H-E-E-R sheer uh, Dr. Jackson is also certified as a health education specialist and a national counselor. Adjacent to her career goals, adjacent to her career goes, her research goes aligned with an intersectional approach of mental and emotional wellness while incorporating research experiences of African-American females in HSB2, which has her published dissertation focus. She has identified and aligned her existence as a means to educate on healthier possibilities with sexual health, self-esteem, and all relationships that may seem unrealistic to achieve. However, once explored, can outline how informed decision-making can lead to more peace. Well. You have been doing a lot of great things, and actually, that's how I found you. Um, I just was Googling. I really, really thought that we should have a guest to discuss um, herpes in general, Um, and I found your research first, and then I went to your website, and I found all this great information, so I'm so happy, so happy that we found you and super excited for today.
2: I'm happy to be here. I, I think it's great when someone wants to learn about this topic and talk about it, because that's the problem. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to bring it to the forefront. So this is very exciting. We've been asked uh, to yes. be in the presence of this information. So thank you. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So let's just start off with just defining and the, different, the differences between HSV 1 and 2. Um, and so when we say HSV herplex herp me say am saying it right herpes simplex virus uh, that is what we're talking about today you all so what would you define like how would you differentiate 1 versus 2
2: Whew, very wonderful question and on the books of uh, you know trying to explain it most people would say one is oral one is you know genitalia area but it's all You know, so that's the one thing I think more commonly people think of HSV-1 when they think of oral, they think of fever blisters, but it's the same thing as cold sores. And so a lot of people don't know, you know, and and Carmex is not even supposed to be used as chapstick, I know in our culture, that's just what it is, but it's intentionally for curing cold sores, not even curing them, but helping them to be alleviated at least from some sort of irritation. And so we have not even accepted that the karma angle is something that's a part of that. And so when people think cold sores or fever blisters, they don't usually associate them with HSV-1, but that is like the whole thing behind a cold sore and behind a fever blister. So when we think about the stigma behind it, it really is super common, at least for HSV-1, it's the most common of the two. Now, HSV2, you would think of genitalia area mostly, but it also affects oral plus you know genitalia. And so you, or anything that could be in the back for the anus region as well. So when you're thinking about the two of them, you see uh, the, the fever blisters, of course, but you also can have irritation. there's itching. you have the swelling of certain kind of pustules that happen. Uh, you might have a different kind of thing that spreads between your, your rectum area to, you know, wherever you might have insertion points. Uh, there's been research found that if there's open sores, like on your fingernails or around your lips or in your eyes, like any kind of moist area that something could grow as a bacteria is, is where you will find it. Now, we've only studied HSV-1 and HSV-2 out loud, but the herpes viridae family has eight. And one of the things that most people are not familiar with is that your chicken pox, and, you know, the HSV-1 and HSV-2, they come from the same family, but they do something totally different. So HSV-1 and HSV-2 are the ones that you usually find out are sexually related. Then you have a whole bunch of different versions that are for something else and they cause something else, but people are not setting it that way because the only one they're interested in is the first two that affect sex. And the one uh, that's the most common is something that you can catch from just kissing a parent as a kid or sharing chapstick or a slobbery toy when you are in, in a daycare. you know Some of the things that we don't think about when we're, we're kissing our kids in the mouth, a lot of times we could be transmitting it and passing it from stuff that we got going on because that's something that could happen for children. You know, So I think the one thing that most, I won't say physicians only, but healthcare providers are talking about now is that yes, you probably should know your results But when you get tested for HSV-1 and HSV-2, there's the possibility of a false positive, which is why they usually don't recommend that you test if you do not actually have a lesion, because they're going to be trying to find it through your blood. And I think the one thing we found out now when it comes to COVID is that you can test for actually having COVID, or you can test for the COVID antibodies. And the one test that we have for HSV right now is testing for antibodies, The Western blot version of this test, which is only available at the University of Washington, actually tests for if you have an active infection. And the way that it's been pitched is that if you're found to have HSV, because lifelong, it's forever. But what that doesn't do for people is clarify whether or not you've been exposed to it and you have antibodies in your system, or if you Mm -hmm. actually carry the virus and you're more prone to outbreaks. Mm -hmm. That's the part they're not actually studying as much anymore because they've already determined you got it. It's there for life, It's not much we can do about it, but that's not actually true. And most people are finding out oh, well, if you received a test, HSV1 or HSV2, and it came back with a low range between like zero point, I think it's like eight, anywhere between before that and 3.5, you're in this range of possibly having a false positive. And the only way to go back and help people understand that is to test people, but we can't test people, according to the CDC, because if you test people, then you end up with a uh, false positive, and why stir up the frenzy of individuals thinking that they have something that they might not, so it's, it's very irresponsible in that respect, because to tell the difference, you would need to have testing, but it's not mandated. It's one of the only STDs, STIs in the world that you don't actually have to have a mandate to do it, and if you end up wanting it done, then you actually have to have clearance from the physician to see that it's a point to have it done. Other than that, it's the stuff they don't tell you and they don't talk about it. So that makes it a big problem because if most people are asymptomatic, same thing with COVID, unless you actually go and you test the people, you have people spreading it and you're only telling them, come to us when you have a lesion. If you Mm -hmm. don't have a lesion, don't worry about it. Don't need to test for it until it becomes a problem. But most people that I've spoken to don't find out until either they go to the hospital for a rape kit or they're pregnant or something happens where they think they're exposed and they don't actually have signs and symptoms. And if you can't track it back to a previous test, then you're blaming the wrong person when you don't know who gave it to you. And so that just that's this big ball rolling, which is why it's, it's so hard to even know the difference between the two and to test the difference between the two. Wow. Well, what are some signs that might let someone know that they possibly have a diagnosis? It's a good question. The one sign that you will have, I mean, really, is that you'll have a full-on outbreak. It could look as simple as like the shave uh, cuts. It feels like when you shaved yourself down there in any kind of area before, and you get that little cut, it feels like oh dang, this is worse than a paper cut. They can feel like that because that could be the onset of a lesion. Because really, it's your skin opening up and making room for the wound to come to the surface you have to think about it like that. And so when it comes to testing for it, they're usually wanting to swab that because they're saying, okay, that looks like you have an active infection that's in your system. But if you actually aren't able to see those, how do you find out, right? And so really, you either have an onset of an outbreak where they look totally different, but they're very in common with the paper cut fields, you have full on, you know, postules that grow, Uh, And they actually have, you know, maybe either pus in them, blood in them. They could crust over, depending on your immune system. And you might have them, like, again, could be directly on your face in some sort of area where you've been exposed. It could be anywhere near an orifice on your body that has just the ability to grow bacteria and your membranes and on in any kind of area, literally. And you could potentially have different things that uh, are an onset for you that just might be tingling. You might just have itching. You might not even have a full on outbreak. And so again, it looks different, but your body apparently, according to everyone that has tested virology on this, is telling you that you're shedding regardless. And so even if you're not actually looking like you are susceptible or that you are actually having an outbreak, The likelihood of you shedding your virus all day anyway, and then potentially spreading that to someone is why it's so much passed on uh, asymptomatically, because that's what's happening. People are like, oh, well, it doesn't look like anything's wrong. And people don't have the conversation Mm -hmm. so that if someone actually is having an active outbreak and they pass it to you because they're shedding this virus through the secretions and any kind of like open tissues, then this is the part where you may not know. So some of those times we're looking for symptomology because that's what we're taught Well, when they did teach sex health in school. I know they're reviewing that right now and they're trying to take that out. But at the time that they were teaching it, it was that symptomology is how you find out. But they never covered what do you do when there's something in the world, i.e. COVID, where you may not always see that there are symptoms. And so that's the thing. You know, how do you know if you, if you actually full on have an outbreak, it looks like something. But if you don't, it won't. Yeah.
0: So where do you go from there if you have an outbreak? Like, what are recommendations for next steps for folks?
2: Wonderful question. Automatic doctor's visit. Okay. Say. Now, when you go, and of course, people that don't like the medical model, there's a lot of holistic things and Dr. Savie's really big on this and anyone else that's in an alkaline diet lane, they will tell you about any STD, any kind of STI, they will automatically think, okay, holistically, vitamins, different stuff that you could do for your immune system because you're getting rid of all the stuff that holds bacteria and holds disease and so medical field doesn't pitch that that's not something that is meant for you it's usually secondary prevention so you already have something let's give you some pills to maintain it so you don't die tertiary prevention is like oh you're about to die let's keep you alive but primary mm-hmm. prevention is, well, how do we prevent you from even having this as an issue at all? And that's what the condoms are for. That's what the birth control is for. It's, it's the prevention ahead of time. But if you have something where you're not talking, which could be prevention, then you end up going to a doctor and have to find out if you only have symptoms. You could be 40 years old and have never had a symptom and totally be positive. And so that that is the hardest part. Like, what do you do after you go, it's to go to a doctor, but then what is told to you depends on the physician. If I tell you how to prevent yourself, if I tell you what happened to you, if I give you a, a printout of things, they're all determined by the physician itself because CDC does not mandate it. So you really have practitioners making their own judgment call based upon where you live, maybe some of your own activities that you tell them. Maybe they see something, they go, okay, maybe I should test for that because I see that it's a problem, but it's discretion-based. So if I don't feel like I care about the black community at all and I'm servicing you and I want to help you, which we know already is a big hot topic right now about pain and the tolerance that they think we have based upon our skin and our resiliency level from you know decades back and centuries back, that might be the mindset of the physician. And then you also have in the research where not all black people want a black physician because you go to the wrong one and it feels like you're either being shamed by auntie and mama and them. You don't really know how to have the conversation. And then you might also have this person who comes in and talks to you a certain way. You just don't feel okay. So there's a lot of competing views on what to do. But the biggest thing would be to first get a test to make sure that you have something in front of you and make sure you get a printout of the tighter number and the titer is specifically the number you'll always see of like the range of viral count or, you know, anything on a test. You want to look at the number and make sure it's something that you can actually maintain and understand and evaluate for yourself. Because That's not something that a doctor is going to, they're not going to give you that because that's jargon. That's, that's not something that they're going to think you need, but that's what I would do. That's a okay.
0: Thank you for sharing that. It's making me yeah. think about like the stigma, even like around this topic and, I'm curious why you think that is. Like, in thinking about like the Usher headline, like why do you think there's just so much stigma around this?
2: We don't educate ourselves. Number one, full on about probably anything in the world. We have allowed social media to teach us. And we go off of Wikipedia kind of information. No, it's not the Wikipedia. I think it's awesome, but I know that we the .dot com stuff is not .dot org stuff. It's not stuff that was in an encyclopedia. It's not stuff that you might find as research based. Anybody can make .dot com information, and then when you get on social media, you end up perpetuating .dot com information. And so when you get it in your mind, this is gross. It you know is so rare. I can't believe that this happens to people. Let's talk about them, including Usher. When you really don't understand that 50% of Black women in the world have this diagnosis, and 50% of all people infected are Black. 30% are Black males. So you got 50% of Black women, 30% of Black males, 80% of people in the country right now. I know this is probably worldwide as well added in these numbers, but really when you're thinking about the Black people that exist, 80% of all infections go to Black people. And as we know, you know, how they're trying to potentially run over whatever kind of agendas that they have, why that is not more talked about, it might be the population that it's affecting. We are disproportionately affected all the way across the board. And so we make headlines with this. It's not going to be any kind of urgency. And so, of course, stigma wise, they would have to bring back those PSAs. I don't know if you remember the wrap it up campaigns and you had AJ and Free telling you like, basically you don't need to know what sex is, but you need to know that you need to wrap it up so you don't find out what the other stuff is. And that stuck to me. I was like, oh, thank you for educating me. You're a famous face. You're not telling me to go out here and just randomly do whatever with people. You're actually trying to tell me about my body. Great, that got the conversation started. The stigma was lowered around that time frame because people wanted to say, wrap it up, and here is why. Now, no. Turn on your television and watch people about to have sex. What do they do? Go straight to it. Who reaches in the drawer and actually grabs condoms anymore? Who actually sits down and has a talk? Hey, have you been tested? Before we go into this, I know it might be uncomfortable, but we probably should talk about our health so that neither one of us ends up with anything. Did you really trust your ex? Are you sure? those conversations don't happen and the images that you see all day also don't show you that it happens this isn't something that people are going to want to talk about it seems Mm -hmm. as though it's rare when really again let's go back to this 80 percent. it's super common and that's hsv2 now hsv1 affects a completely different population and usually it's mexican-american and so you have these individuals that are being affected nobody's talking about it there's no physician mandate people don't feel comfortable enough to talk to their doctors so why are we not speaking about it and that's why
0: mm.
2: all the steps would need to change
0: mm-hmm. for sure yeah no <laughs> it's most
1: definitely it's a super informative and just hearing you talk about this uh, especially like you talk about when it comes to like the black community in general um like with this with that usher headline it it what it what it thought what it made me think about is even like you just talked about the cold source first and correct me if i'm wrong was that HSV one or two one. it's one it can, be,
2: it can be both but it's typically
1: one it's typically one like in the black community growing up like i've heard people be like oh it's just a cold sore um but nobody ever says like that's HSV one you know and the difference is it's like if somebody says a cold sword it's like oh that's oh that nothing's wrong with that but when you say herpes it's like that word just like freaks people out like it's just it's a totally different like perspective when you hear it and it makes me think of that in a sense of like because we're because we're scared of this term um it's like when we do hear it we like freak out and I'm like why why is that? But even here, you talk about it is because even the healthcare professionals freak out. They don't, it's like there's no, like there's not enough information, or like you just said, it's like some stuff being held back. And so it's, it's, this is a confusing diagnosis. Like, this really is, is very, very
2: confusing. It really is. And it's very harmful in that respect because the people that would get you to pay attention to it the most are some of our famous faces. And if you end up perpetuating objectification and you perpetuate unprotected sex, and we now don't have any stigma at all about being an unwed whatever, or you have kids at whatever age, or you can just do whatever to whomever, or so-and-so's extra baby mama, you know, in theory, all these words are tossed around and it's all about sex. And nobody's talking about the, the protection measures that are needed. This is how you can actually have sex and be in love. Let's talk about feelings that are associated. That All that stuff has been removed. And the only thing that's left is a consequence of you being dirty and, and promiscuous. And that's it. There isn't anything that's talked about with sex. Now, even, again, going back to music, the one thing I see the difference is, as you're talking about getting straight to it, there's no patience. There's no interest in trying to talk about it. It's genuinely, are you down? Let's leave the cub. Let me take your friend. Then we're done. And and that's it. Mm-hmm the hey let me get to know you <laughs> let me talk about your sexual history let me actually understand if you're a good match those moments of patience would actually help us to talk about whether or not this is the person number one you would even need to want to be attached to sexually but number two let me see where your head is at can you make sexual decisions that have anything to do with you being a better human being from having enough knowledge to make better sexual decisions where's your head at with sex How do you think about sex? What do you process with sex? That comes with our culture having shifted to straight, quick, down and dirty, fast results. And I need it now. So I don't want to talk about it. I can go and find the the next person who's totally clean, or at least in my mind. But really, half the people don't all talk about it. So even if you have a diagnosis, you aren't always going to say anything. And I have helped those individuals get tested. I've given them their results. I have had them come in and have their partners in there like they don't know, even though they've had a diagnosis for 10 plus years. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see that because the conversations aren't happening. You are more interested in your pride than telling someone the truth and saving them from the hassle that you've already gone through. It'd be great. If you actually said, that happened to me, I didn't like that that happened to me, now let me lead a life of having different conversations so that I can spare someone else. That part doesn't happen because we've been taught now to give our best version of ourselves and social media started that. Once you decided that your life needed to be filters, all of those different moments where you could be shown as a flaw have gone away. And so it's, it's part of the Usher headline. This is part of the stigma. We don't have any famous faces even leading the, the charge of what it looks like to be in a healthy sexual situation. Everybody's passed around in the industry and it's glorified and it's all over your TV and in your music and everything. There isn't really anything saying, let's talk about this and educate our kids, educate our adults.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Till that happens, we'll be right here.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And talking about that, it sounds like, you know, it could be a lot of shame around this diagnosis. What do you think are some common mental health concerns that you have noticed when folks are dealing with HSV-1 and R2?
2: Depression and anxiety. Those are the two at the top. And then grief is probably above those two because I'm grieving the loss of my freedom. I'm grieving the loss of my individuation. I am now attached to this diagnosis, and so usually when I go date or I'm talking to someone new, there's this thought that, oh, I have to tell them. It's the elephant in the room, let me go and just expose myself. But this is the same thing as any trauma. If I have been sexually assaulted or if I experienced any kind of abuse, I'm not leading with that. But that's in our mind we've been taught, you need to go ahead and just tell someone so that you can just get it out the way. But we treat it as though it is detrimental. And if I lead with that, when I meet someone, they're going to see it that way. So the shift would be to help people understand, okay, well, this is something that could probably harm us both if we are not educated. But because I did the knowledge and the research information, let me, let me school you real quick. You know, if you want to date me, here's some information that I can give you. You know, here's some information that I can show you. This is something that I can help you understand that is affecting our community. Like this could be a teaching moment if for anybody that's been diagnosed, they could actually have those conversations to say, this is how I prevent us and we prevent us from this continuing to spread. If I hide it from you and I don't tell you anything because I'm more interested in the sex at the moment, then that's what's going to continue to happen. People don't share their results. They don't take the personal accountability or the personal responsibility. They don't want to. And it's not taught that they have to. And so it would be great if in those moments where you're trying to figure out, well, okay, how do you how do you perpetuate something and how do you take it away? It's knowing that it starts with you having a conversation. You gotta you got have a conversation. And if you lead with anxiety and depression or you think that it's detriment, then that just perpetuates it. And So the one thing I do see is that people feel guilty. Like I'm so dirty. I can't believe this happened to me, but you're set up that way. It, there's a, a liquor store on every corner. There's a lack of healthy foods. There's a bunch of different, you know, things that, that perpetuate certain stuff. And you really don't have a shot if the rest of the world is telling you, yeah, we want to damage your culture. Yeah. So if you sleep with anybody, this is going to happen, you know, potentially. And you have to know that and go into it thinking, okay, this is set up for me to fail. So how can I help educate my people? How can Mm -hmm. I put us on so that even if it has happened? Because HIV used to be like this too. People were treating it like COVID, like social distance, don't you know eat anything from anybody, don't touch anything, don't even breathe the air, because nobody knew. It was a conversation of ignorance that we were all having. And so yeah, I think in order to really think about it, it's grief. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It's grief, grieving the loss of you, but the gain of something else. It could be the gain of saving people.
0: Definitely. As we wrap up, we want to ask takeaways that you
2: have for our listeners, and that can be anything, just
0: whatever you'd like to share with our listeners.
2: Uh, Well, the same research that you had looked at, I would love for people to be able to read it. I will be releasing that information, of course, in like a press release so that people can take kind of a snapshot and see what the results were and what the discussion questions are, because what needs to happen is there has to be a conversation with your physicians. So if you aren't in the habit of wanting to talk or you're like, I just, you know, there's illiteracy that happens. There's moments of not trusting the the healthcare field. We know where that comes from. We've been guinea pigs forever and we haven't always been given access. And so automatically we may not trust our our health physicians. And so if you go to a doctor, you don't trust, pick one that you can so that you actually can have conversations. They don't have to be black. They don't have to be of your own cultural, whatever, but it does need to be someone that you trust. And that if something were to happen, you could talk openly. And if you're not free to do that, or if you're like, hey, I don't know what kind of stuff I need, ask those questions to someone who specializes in this, mm-hmm. i.e. myself. You know, talk to someone who is interested in holistically serving you. So that way you can find the resources from that person to figure out what else to do. So if this is the starting point, I will be the one to, to link you to some stuff that you can have. And then get you in the right place to talk to the right people and then you get to ch- the chance to teach other people, you know, use it as a teaching moment rather than dang this happened to me I can't have kids I can't move on. It ends up being this moment of reflection like okay, what can I do the same way until they get it together and in the, the higher powers that be so they get that together what can I do on this community level you know figuring out how to to link with these people and not treating it as though it's super detrimental and that it's going to ruin us all it's already affecting everything so Mm -hmm. circulate the knowledge between yourselves thank you
0: thank you dr Sherlisa. and we are so appreciative of you taking the time out to meet with us today and we're going to make sure that we share your research do you have any other way that folks can find you like social media or anything like that that
2: you want to shout out I am everywhere. So Instagram is the biggest one. It's Sinclair James and that's literally like living single and it's syntlaire James. Yeah, I know. Woo, woo, woo. I even have a hat on, right? <laughs> but Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube all have Dr. Cheryl Lisa John. You will see it and it'll come up that way. My website is sheer LLC.com as well as contact at sheerllc.com is the email so all of it will link you back to me. There's a bunch of different stuff floating around everywhere, but I would start with at least looking up the information uh to get you started to know what to to do and how I can help you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: I'm super happy y'all that we got to have um Dr. Charlisa on the episode. Uh, I have been telling Myra for a minute, like, I really, really want to talk about this topic of herpes, but I feel like it's so taboo, and every time you talk about it, people freak out, and me and my friend, we always, we do kind of, it's not even a joke, but we always be like, most of us have HSV-1, like, most people do have it, uh, because it's true,
0: as you can just, i sorry, that caught me way off guard, go ahead, it's what? Hard there's a way you were like saying I wasn't prepared but I get what you're saying sorry yeah like when you think about these statistics
1: like you just may be asymptomatic you could have got it as a child like she's saying a slobbering toy or your parent kissing you and your parents were probably asymptomatic you didn't know that they were giving it to you yeah. um like it's it's so it should be normalized at this point but it's not and it's because the information is so screwed so I'm, I'm hoping that Y'all got some information today from today's episode. And I'm hoping that we can change the stigma around it and talk about it more. Um, And so, I mean, this is the first step. So I'm really glad that we had her. Marv, you got any
0: reflections? I completely agree. I think that it's important to do our research and educate ourselves and just being mindful and being mindful of how we interact with folks that, you know, do have these struggles. I was thinking about I had an uncle who had passed away from HIV and how like the research is so different now and our conversations are so different now but being a kid and seeing how people were treating him it was just so unfair and so now you know I try to be very mindful in how I interact with folks who I do know diagnoses that they may have and I invite you all to also do the same even if you don't have it making yourself aware of you know what people are going through in your life because you never know how you might impact them but based on how you treat them. Because I remember my uncle would always tell me, you treat me like I'm normal. And I would always be like, because you are. <laughs> and I would be like, our joke, we would laugh. But now looking back, I'm like, damn, people did treat him very differently. And I just thought, you know, adults will be adults, but it's because of the lack of awareness. So I say a lot to say, just educate yourselves like she said.
1: Absolutely. Um, thank you all for listening to another episode. If you haven't already, follow us on our platforms at BWH underscore pod. Uh, we still have our Let's Hill workbook on Amazon. Um, yeah, and stay, stay connected with us. And we hope that you enjoy this episode.
0: So, y'all, we have to shout out our friends over at Fiverr. We are officially a Fiverr affiliate. And I love Fiverr because you can literally go to them for any type of project you might want to work on, whether it be if you need a new logo, you need help with the resume, you need help with social media. They help you over there. So, go ahead and check out our friends over at Fiverr. That's 5-E-R-R. So, 5 with two R's at the end. So, go ahead and check them out with the link in our bio and... Tell them that we sent you.